skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair? So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash just break up. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash just break up for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to talk about when they can't commit to you, but can commit to someone else one month later. <laughs> End of show. No yeah. more. <laughs> uh, when it's not really about the dog and learning to set yourself free. Mm. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed therapists and have no legal standing to do anything of this sort. Nor are we qualified. <laughs> <laughs> So much that I was reminded as you were talking that like when we wrote this script two and a half years ago or whatever, mm-hmm. I made you say the Surgeon General's line because I couldn't ever remember it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like the General Surgeon's yeah. warning label, you know. Ooh. Uh-huh. So this is all to say we are unqualified and we want you to take this advice as you see fit in your life. Sam and I are just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience that is love. So Sam, welcome to new president's week. 
Not yet, but that's what I've been calling <laughs> Not it. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah, we got. We I've still got to get him out of like, the office. Merry Good Georgia Day or Happy <laughs> Happy Pennsylvania Year. <laughs> ah, that's right. Yes, yeah, a very different ten- tenor from the last time we talked on this podcast about the election. But uh, yeah, good news is it's great. <clears throat> I feel a sense of relief. Yeah, that is really great with like sort of the understanding that there's still work to do. Yes. But, uh, well, now we yeah. feel like we can take a deep breath um, to do the and and like recoup and heal to do the work that we know is most important. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I yeah. read something online that was like our country's getting out of a four year abusive relationship. <laughs> and I was that like, feels real. ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why the feelings are all over the board. Um, but, you know, here's the extended metaphor part of that that I read into. It's like. Yeah, we were in this abusive relationship that wasn't allowing us to deal with our with our internal issues. You know, this Mm -hmm. this external source was treating us really poorly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And now Mm -hmm. now that we have extricated that person from our lives, at least um, come January, uh, now we can start healing and working on ourselves and and creating the wellness that we know that we really deserve, which Mm -hmm. we all know means um, the wellness for everyone. Um, That's right. Anyway, anyway, just wanted to acknowledge that that's happening because <laughs> yeah, we like <laughs> it I was felt like, weird to not talk about it because <laughs> last time we were like we don't know guys and <laughs> like, <laughs> we don't know where we'll be. Um, anyway, so what's our check-in topic? Our check-in topic is inspired by a letter uh, from Sherry M, who basically wanted to know how you deal with different kinds of rejection. Which is a great question, yes. especially because like, I'm sure that our current president is also dealing with the, the shame that comes with rejection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I honestly thought about that. So if you didn't make that joke, I was going to, too. <laughs> um, and I, what I liked about this letter and about the question in general is that um, the letter writer posed the difference between why they personally feel more rejected than someone like not picking them on Tinder or something mm-hmm. than someone saying after a couple of dates, you know what, this isn't going to work, you know, like the different kinds of rejection, how they trigger us in certain ways and non-romantic mm-hmm. rejection too. Um, how do we, how do we deal with a friend who like seems to be developing friendships with other people or, or whatever we view as rejection work or family or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you what, what do you think about it? Do you struggle with rejection? Are you sensitive to it? I am sensitive to it. And I think that a lot mm-hmm. of people are very sensitive to it. Um, and I think it's understandable because I do think that we, when our understanding of ourselves and our self-worth is, um, you know, depends on what other people think of us, um, then it becomes very easy to say like, oh, mm-hmm. this person rejected me and therefore I'm a bad person. Um, and I, like, I think that's, that's what we're taught. Like that, that's deeply ingrained in many of us. Um, and definitely something that I struggle with, uh, all the time. Like even as a person who, you know, tries to do a lot of mental health work on a consistent basis, like the rejection, especially, especially for me when the rejection is like very unexpected, um, 
And I think like rejection, particularly in a professional sense, um, mm. whereas probably like I feel like I have the least amount of confidence. Yeah. Uh, it's like very, very hurtful. Like it, it is, it triggers an anxiety in me that I don't mm. often feel in interpersonal relationships. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. And I gl- I'm glad, I'm glad you said that you feel like it's a very common thing that like, every person feels a level of rejection in one way or another every day. So Mm. I say, I I highlight that because like the, you know, most beautiful, talented, popular person, you know, struggles with some form of rejection regularly, whether it's Mm -hmm. like they might have a thousand Instagram followers, but they're, but they feel rejected by their parents or, you know, Mm -hmm. they might have the job that you want or, you know, but their partner left them or, or whatever. They can't get a date. Um, also to extrapolate on something you said too, um, our sense of selves being so built up around other people's perception of us. You know, we learned that as children, I think about Mm -hmm. as kids, you know, of course I want every child to feel loved and awesome. You know, I want every Mm -hmm. child to be like, to, to not know the the terrors of the world yet, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but we're brought up as children just to, to, to see media and to hear language a lot that that's that reinforces like you're awesome and you're going to be great and you can do it, which like, yes, yes, you can. But we don't often hear like you mess up. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to disappoint people. Like we're not prepared as children to be anything. um, But great, you know, and mm-hmm. obviously every, every childhood is different. So like, that is like a very broad stroke, but um, sure. I struggle with rejection um, because I feel like it is my subconscious and dramatic mission to be everything for anyone at any time. <laughs> 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 like that's just, that sounds like so hyperbolic and it is, but that's um when I boil down some of my irrational thoughts and my irrational anxieties, that's what it comes down to is that like, Mm -hmm. I just want to be what people want me to be. Yeah. And I think, I think actually like distilling that stuff down into its most hyperbolic is important because it, it helps us recognize that the anxiety that we're not, able to like name or put words to is being hyperbolic. Yes, exactly. Your anxiety is punishing you because you can't be everything to everyone at all times. (laughs) Right. That's my new word. (laughs) Yes. And like my anxiety tells me that like, if this person doesn't like me, then my career is ruined. Right. Right. Like that's, which is like, not true. (laughs) Right. But it helps to name it because then it's like, oh yes, well, that is not true. And right. so like, why am I believing this thing so deeply in my body? And, and so I think that's like one of the ways that I deal re- with rejection is just like, honestly, sitting back and reminding myself like this person, if this person doesn't like you, it's not the end of the world. No, like not every person doesn't like you. And if this person doesn't like you, it might just mean that they don't know you fully. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, that you're doing a lot of mind reading in that anxiety of like, mm-hmm. oh my God, they hate, uh, you know, if you got rejected for a date, it's like, oh my God, he thought it was ugly or she, you know, didn't respect me or all these things when we have literally no idea <laughs> like what's mm-hmm. going on in that person's personal life. Um, I think I agree with you about distilling it down to what 
is real and logical, like speak truth to those irrationalities. This one person, this one action, you know, this, this, this one rejector cannot dictate your worth or your happiness. Like, are you, does everything get boiled down to this one person? Are they, are they so important that they get to tell the rest of the world, like that you're Mm -hmm. worthy or, or you're beautiful or you're, you know, capable? No, that's, hyperbolic and catastrophizing which Mm -hmm. is what our brains do best (laughs) for sure but i do think that like the immediate rejection oh my god is in so many ways harder than like going on three dates with someone and having them be like ah this like this isn't working because then it feels like at least it's like oh well maybe we're just not compatible like he at least knows something about me yes but the the reality of like oh you just like swiped left on after looking at one picture of me on Tinder, that's that's like, yeah. There's and like uniquely devastating. <laughs> yeah. The, the, when it's so like one note like that, there's so much space to make up a narrative. You know what I mean? Like your, your brain yeah. can just go wild. Like why they rejected you or, 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 you know, for me, maybe if, if somebody decided they didn't want to see me after one day, I would, woof. I would, I would make up a story about myself. Let me tell you, (laughs) I would just be so, um, crushed by that or, or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think, I think what's hard about rejection is something that helps you get through it is endurance. And I don't mean that in like a macho, (laughs) like Uh endure the pain way, but like sitting with the rejection, like, okay, what am I feeling? wow, I'm feeling weirdly upset about this one one date that went bad. This person that I've known for literally two hours of my life. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling really, really, really rejected. Uh, you know, the narrative that I'm saying to myself is, um, I must have been so ugly or so undesirable mm-hmm. or so foolish, you know, on this date that they were like, nope, I don't want to date you. Um, you have to like recognize where that is coming from, um, twofold, right? Like, like recognize like how harsh and cruel and hyperbolic that statement is that like you, that you're so ugly that this person doesn't want to be with you or you're so undesirable and they don't want to be with you. Like that's, that's so harsh, (laughs) you know, and (laughs) like, and name yourself, be like, wow, I'm being really, this anxiety, this rejection is making me be really hard on myself. And then also, you know, so break that statement down. Like this one person doesn't just dictate my worth or my happiness or my desirability. Also, what I've had to do, because I'm so sensitive to, to any form of rejection, I've had to think like, well, why does rejection hit so hard? Like what, what is it? What wound is it opening? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, why, why do other people's strangers, you know, make, have the capacity to hurt me so much? And, and that work led me to, to really look at, like I said earlier, this like inner, um, this desire that I learned really young to, to try to like be everything for anyone and, and my connection to my self-worth to that, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, that's real. And I think like what you just said about, about, wow, the stranger, just think about the fact that like you are giving so much weight to this person who has known you for two hours, right? Like this person who has known you for two hours gets to dictate whether or not you are a good person or whether or not you are worthy of love, right? Like that's how, that's what I have to remind myself is like, 
there are so many people in my life that have chosen to be with me for the long haul, right? Yeah. That have like actively wanted me in their life, and 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 I need to put more stock That's in so the things beautiful. that they say wow. say about me and think about me, and less in like the person that knows me for two hours. Because like, yeah. I don't know how much can you actually learn about me and the things that make me tick and the things that bring me joy in in two hours. Like you don't, yeah. you don't get this. And if you don't, you don't want to get to know more, then like, cool, you don't get to know more because like, yeah. this is worth knowing. <laughs> yeah. And put some nuance too uh, into that other person's experience. Like th- this goes to mm. everybody, like, you know, just because they went on one day with you and chose to not go on another doesn't mean they didn't have a good time or like doesn't mean they don't think you're attractive or desirable or smart or capable. Um, just, you know, and this goes to, also for like um people we get so many letters of like well why could they how, how could they sleep with me and not date with date me or whatever well mm-hmm. people are freaking complicated and selfish and <laughs> and uh-huh. all of these things it's not that you're undateable it's that this person is choosing not to date you right um, anyway rejection is hard <laughs> it is really hard but it is not it doesn't have to be as hard as it is. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, I think, um, I think that the connections that we're making in our brain, when we start deciding that we don't, that we want to disempower something like this, like for me, yep. my sensitivity is both my superpower and my kryptonite. Like, and I have, mm-hmm. and I've tried to take active steps to be able to control it in a way that still serves me, you know, and that looks like trying to rewire those synapses after 34 years of, of running one path, I'm mm-hmm. trying to create new pathways. Right. And that, and that's what we're doing. So the next time you, you all, you know, our listeners feel rejected, create a new pathway. It's going to feel uncomfortable. It's not going to feel as as comfortable as like self-loathing does, you know, <laughs> Yeah. but we were just like you said, it's worth it to work through. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be so, um, gutting, uh, you mm-hmm. can process through it again and again and again until it doesn't gut you. Yeah. And I think that that's the, the important part is that like, we're re we're literally like we re- rewiring things and, yes. and the goal is not to never feel rejection again, right? Yes. Because we are like social animals and we have been taught these things. Yeah. These and, ways and, of thinking, right? And rejection pain is real. Like it's... That's, Absolutely. Yeah. But the goal is to like find a new path out of that feeling mm. into something that's going to serve us better, right? Love like that. Because I don't want people to be like, oh my God, I felt rejected. I'm failing at this work. Like, right. no. We're... All of us are going to feel rejected at some point in our right. lives by some person. Right. And so like that's that's real and that feeling is is learned and it in some ways like that feeling of rejection protects us like it serves us in in different ways. The 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 thing that we want to do is say like okay but this feeling doesn't need to like dictate the rest of my life or like this yes. feeling doesn't need to dictate the rest of the week for me. Yes. What are the things that I can know it to be true that will that will guide me on a path into something that's yes. going to serve me better than than wallowing in this this discomfort of rejection. It's true. Preach it. All right. Do you want to dive into our letters? Let's do it. All right. Our first letter is from never forgive, never forget. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that is so wonderful and petty. <laughs> Who is writing from, literally, I will probably always be angry about this. <laughs> we like just went from this like moment of Zen, like, to like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, okay. Never forgive, never forget. Writes. So, I'm an American and I moved across the world in February to, for a new job. My first, I'm 23. I really like this new country of residence, and, but of course, moving has been a big adjustment and worrying about my family back home. Re-COVID has been stressful to say the least. Back in April, I started seeing this guy. Let's call him T. I was sexually assaulted at 19 and had a string of situ- situationships after that. Most of them left me feeling like a thing to be used and discarded when no longer of interest or like I'd never find someone I truly connect with. I'd say I've done a pretty good job of cutting things off once I realize I don't like the other person or that they aren't interested in what I want, a monogamous relationship where we hold space for each other as individuals. However, I'm not going to lie. I'm still mad about every single one of these, quote, relationships in which the other person rejected me. Oh, how how timely. I know. Nice tie-in. <laughs> <laughs> Back to tea. We met on Tinder and went out for coffee, which turned into dinner. When we started talking, I felt like we knew each other forever. Yet from the minute he grabbed my hand on the second date, anxiety rose up in my diaphragm and stayed there for months. Girl, I know you might be thinking you dated him for months, to which I say, no, I did not. Like I said, once I realized it wasn't going to work, I cut things off. Sam and Sierra, it was difficult. I cried so much that fifth and final week of seeing him. He said he really liked me, but there was this really intense exam that he was studying for, one that people in this country study years to pass. Is if, if his family realized he was going out and seeing someone, it would really put their relationship as a family in a tough spot as they wouldn't think of him as someone taking this intense studying seriously. I was incredibly understanding of this. I know he wasn't lying about this exam. He had been talking about it since we met and he didn't even have to spell that out for me. All I asked was that he makes some time for me, maybe on a Saturday or early evening. When I told him this, hinting that it was a deal breaker if he could only make time for me at night, he said that if we met more, he'd just want to see me more. I know how shitty and manipulative this sounds, but at the time I was a wreck. That broke me. Yet I found the strength to end things. So basically that was T. He was interested in me enough to sleep with me, but not enough to find any time for me before 11 p.m. Which also, can I just say how rude? I have a job. I have to be up. 11 p.m. is my bedtime. Since then, I went on a lot of Tinder dates and in July, I found up, I wound up matching with someone who became my boyfriend. He's truly everything I could imagine in a partner and more. Incredibly caring, attractive, silly, cute, and most importantly, someone who makes time for me and wants to grow together. My boyfriend has really put into perspective how gross the way T treated me was. Within the past month, I even cried about T, feeling ashamed that I fell for him despite the circumstances. I think you could imagine my disbelief when I saw that T changed his messaging profile a few days ago. This is an app that everyone uses here to text each other. I clicked on it so the notification would go away and lo and behold, he's in a relationship. This update says it's been a month. Samuel and Sierra 
I gasped. I almost threw my phone at the wall. The fucking audacity of this adult man. I know nothing about this person he's seen. For all I know, this could have been a girlfriend who lives in Canada as part of some weird psychological flex on all of his app contacts. For emotional context, I'm still holding on to the guy who played me in sophomore year of college, not with the same vitriol, but definitely with the same level of anger and disdain. My therapist told me a few years ago that anger can be a way to create some sort of psychic boundary when it's too hard to maintain one physically, but I literally will never see this man again. He lives an hour away from me. Also, why am I still so annoyed by this sophomore year boy who lives in a different country and is probably currently ruining someone else's life? Joking, but also kind of not. Let me reiterate again. I'm super happy in my relationship. I still can't believe I'm dating my boyfriend, knock on wood, that he continues to be the considerate person I continually know him to be. But this fucking blows. Now that I know he's been dating someone for a month, I can't help but gamify my relationship in my head. Oh, he's been dating someone for a month? Well, I'm on month two. How do I get out of this headspace of competing against an ex? I feel like I know what you will say, but even if I block his profile, part of me will always be curious about how his relationship is going. Did he give up on his dream to spend time with this person? Is this new partner in the same situation I was in? How long can something like this last? Also, now the stakes feel higher than ever with my boyfriend. When I'm spending time with him, it's thankfully easy to forget and even laugh mentally at how ridiculous this is. But while writing out a letter like this, I'm on edge. What if we break up? What if T marries this person? How do I cope with the feeling that I wasn't interesting or attractive enough to make T commit? I know I don't even like T or desire to be with him, with him, but the, it's real fucking rich to see him suddenly able to quote commit mere months after telling me he was too busy. Anyway, thanks for reading this and for all that you do on the pod. This was therapeutic to type out. And now I have more synthesized thoughts to bring to therapy. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Never forgive, never forget. NFNF. Mm. Uh, thank you so much for writing. Um, Absolutely. And for listening to our podcast. I love that we decided to talk about rejection because it makes us seem like we planned this um, yeah. when we absolutely did not. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let them peek behind the curtain, Sam. <laughs> um, okay, my darling. Uh, you got a lot of, you, you got a lot of anger and let me tell you, <laughs> that's okay. I, anger is an emotion I go to very easily. Um, mm-hmm. but the, I guess the bigger thing I want to say is your past is still sh- holding on to you. You, you've got this like really tight, angry grip on the past and spoiler alert, the past literally has no impact on your life unless you let it in this situation, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Like you are, you are, you are turning around and you're grabbing your past and you're dragging it into the present and just like keeping it there like a blanket um, that like, this is the image that I just pictured. Like the past is a blanket Uh that you like carry Uh around and you like shut the door, but you're pulling it through the door Oh you know, yeah, get it. And the okay. blanket's stuck in the door, and you, so then you're just like, like you can't go any Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you yeah, can't move. You can't like move through the house, the the future. Without, you gotta mm-hmm. drag that freaking blanket with you. <laughs> that's like my worst <laughs> image metaphor, uh. but that's what I thought of. Um, uh, and I say that so bluntly. Um, 
first of all, I relate heavily to this uh, letter, to these emotions, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. The audacity that when you wrote out the fucking audacity of this man, I was like, been there. <laughs> yeah. I only whip out the word audacity when somebody has truly offended me <laughs> by rejecting me. <laughs> yes, by going yeah. on with their lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The audacity of hope, Obama, left us. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> anyway um so uh, but i'm speaking so bluntly to you because i think i i i see so clearly or feel so reminiscently what you're experiencing mm-hmm. and and i need you to know that the past you gotta let it go you gotta mm-hmm. you, and, and that sounds so like freaking frozen um simple hallmark card but this rejection will upset you for the rest of your life if you let it it's on you (laughs) it's true that's right yeah and you talk about how you are like gamifying your relationship like you're in you're in this competition with your your ex right now and i just want to say to you like explicitly there's only one person playing this game and it's you (laughs) and there's only going to be one loser in this game and it's you so like is this fun? Is this like, <laughs> yeah, is this serving you? Because I, I, oh my God, that phrase, say this. go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, I just don't, I don't want to say this in a way of like, of, of me, like hurting your feelings or like trying to, to belittle you. I'm saying this in a way of like, this is not your ex isn't playing this game with you. Like right. he is off living his own life and you are the one that is continuing to fix eight on him. Mm. Right. Like you are the one. I know that you are like super pissed at him, but like this anger is just causing you to think a lot about this dude. Right. Mm-hmm, like this mm-hmm, anger mm-hmm. is actually giving him a lot of power over your life right now. Oh yeah. He's living rent free in your head. Yeah. And he's like literally rent free. Like he's just like dating this girl and you're like life i'm going to beat him and he like doesn't (laughs) care he literally does not care (laughs) Uh, yeah Uh. and i know that hurts but i like it obviously it's yes it hurts to hear that it hurts to hear that the people that we fixate on don't give a fuck about us but like the only way we stop fixating on them is when we realize that they don't give a fuck about us anymore honestly like the phrase you said about um like is that does this feel good you know is this serving you i i like stopped and was like oh dang that phrase because if i had asked myself that when i was Mm. having you know what you know what this is it's 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 irrational like obsessive thought patterns you know it's like it's that itch that you don't want to scratch but you when you do scratch it it's very weirdly and fucked upedly rewarding you know Mm -hmm, it's it mm -hmm. is it might not be a safe place to think why didn't why did you commit to this person and not me but it sure as hell is a quote fun one one like mm-hmm. like the audacity again that word i always think of it um like we we it it is easier for us to sensationalize something and like just make it angsty and hurt than it is for us to say oh interesting that might hurt my feelings but i'm gonna move on because i'm in this great relationship like um Mm -hmm. i i wish i had been asked by you (laughs) in so many situations that i probably was is this serving (laughs) you does it and more importantly does this feel good does it feel good to think about this man and to like and to literally Mm -hmm. obsess about this does it feel you know you literally told us that like when you're with your boyfriend you like are happy and then when you 
when you're not with them and you stop and think about this, you're unhappy. Mm-hmm. You and 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 the denominator there is like you thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. And I I think, you know, you're asking yourself this question of like what about us wasn't like why did he want to not commit to me and cannot and then decide to commit to this person a month later and i'm going to tell you right now i i don't know the answer to that question and you're never going to know it either so like you either like yes. <laughs> adapt to the reality of the fact that 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 is something unknowable or you continue to to fixate on it and and play this game by yourself where you're mm. you're the loser where yeah. you are where everything that you feel about not yourself like the, is being validated not like validated. the capital L loser on your forehead yeah. <laughs> but like that you lose the game <laughs> yeah yeah and well and that everything that you that you think about yourself all the negative stuff that you think about yourself is validated by the stories that you're making up mm. about this person right yeah. and that's the end that's it at the end of the day is that like you are you don't know anything about this man, his relationship, his thought processes, his feelings, and yet you've told yourself a lot about what he is thinking about you. And that's what it means about you. You've you've told absolutely. yourself a lot about you, you know? Yeah. And that is it has nothing to do with this man, right? Like you are so angry at this man, but really the person that you're angry at is yourself because like these are the stories that you're telling yourself right like this is the hurt that you are giving yourself over and over again by trying to add stories to this man and why he thinks the things he thinks about you that you don't know and why they reinforce all the horrible things that you think about yourself right like that And so you do have, you do have power over the situation and it doesn't have to be controlling who he is dating and how he updates his profile, right? Like the only thing that you can control in this moment is recognizing that what this man thinks about you and his relationship has absolutely nothing to do or say about you. Yeah. And like, it sounds like you, like me, are upset at the power this rejection has over you, right? Like I am, mm. I am, my sensitivity upsets me. Like I'm like, dang, like why am I, why do mm-hmm. I keep betraying myself like that? Or why do I, how, how I am upset at the fact that I can get so um, sensitive to other people's opinions. But um, reflecting on your anger, reflecting on this, 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 feeling of rejection that's like boiling in you this anger is a mask right it, mm-hmm. anger like like your therapist said it is a it is a manifestation of of some feelings and anger often is a mask because it it if it's not a mask it is the safer emotion right it feels safer to say the yep. fucking audacity than it does to mm-hmm. feel wow i feel i feel hurt by this i yep. i feel rejected Anger saying, fuck you, dude, feels a lot more powerful than saying there's a child in me that feels so alone and unloved. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a wound in me that has been reopened by this Mm. stranger. You know, Mm -hmm. you know what the audacity is? The audacity that this wound could be opened by a stranger. You know, like Mm -hmm. I'd turn the audacity back on me in this situation. I'd say (laughs) the audacity that this stranger could hurt me like this, you know, that I would Mm. that I would lose sight of how worthy I am without this stranger, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to. I, I want to challenge you on something. Uh, two, two, two challenges. One of them is going to be a little bit of a not 
wallowing challenge. <laughs> like one of I, Sam and I want you to stop thinking about this guy ultimately, but, yeah. one, mm-hmm. but I want you to process through it first a little. And, and my big challenge for you, my darling is to look back on the sophomore boy. <laughs> and I mm. want you to, I want you to, to sit and think and feel your pain and think, okay, what is this anger telling me? What am I, what am I so angry about? What do I, th- what justice did I not see served or, or what rules of engagement did I see broken? And why is it still bothering me? Why, why mm-hmm. can't I let it go? Number one. Um, yep. no- like what narrative did this teach me or reinforce in me? That's causing me so much pain. <laughs> right. Still anger. Right. Mm-hmm. And yep. two, um, are you, I want you to ask yourself, are you catastrophizing the situation? Are you making it into a narrative that isn't real? Because I, I want, I want you to just ponder for 10 minutes what other scenarios could exist in this situation? Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know what happened with the sophomore man, but like, could he, um, maybe he just straight up rejected you and wasn't an asshole, right? Like maybe there is l- so little wiggle room in this story that he had any other nuance in his, in his life, right? Mm-hmm. But even if he didn't, even if he was just a dick, I want you to ask yourself like, what is another way that I can frame this that gives me some freedom from it? This person that hurt you in sophomore year was doing the best that he could and his best was awful. So now I can move on, right? Mm -hmm. The person who hurt you in sophomore year was doing the best that he could and he was a bad person and he was getting his needs met in unhealthy ways. But I recognize that people are all hurting at all different times. So I'm going to let it go and live my life. I'm going to focus on mm-hmm. the present. I want mm-hmm. to process that a little. And then the the other piece of homework I have that is less, less wallowy um, is I want you to genuinely tell me if you would get, if you had limited time on this earth, if you had six months left to live, a year, a week, would you give Uh a shit about this man? (laughs) Would you give a shit about this man? And I think that sounds like a little like cheesy, but it's, it, life is so fucking fragile and it is so important for us to remember when we are having these irrational, um, not just irrational because like, I know this comes from a real place, you know, these wounds are real. This pain is real. But when we're Mm -hmm. having these obsessive, circular, spiraling, shameful thoughts, it's so important for us to remember um, that our that w- w- is this serving me? Like you said, <laughs> ask those questions. Mm-hmm. Is it serve? Does this feel good? Is this serving to me? Is this important to the core? Does this align with the core values of mm-hmm. my life and how I want to live my life? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I also I love both of those pieces of homework and would just add a third one into the mix. <laughs> and just say you classes know, you in talk, session. Sorry. Yeah. Right. You talk. You talk in your letter about like all of this stuff about what if we break up? What if T marries this person? Um, And I want you to like sit down and think about those two options. Like what if those things actually happen? Like what, what is the worst case scenario of you breaking up or him marrying this person? Like what does that actually mean? Answer that question in a journal. Like what's the worst case? Yeah. Like go through it and then be like, okay. And where does that leave me? Right. Like, because I think sometimes we get into our head of like, we, we think of these what if scenarios, but we don't actually think about them. We just like, we re, we feel them. Like we move through the feeling of them without actually like going through the like, yeah, yeah what if portion of it. 
Um, and I think it'll serve you well to say like, what if you break up? Well, then you break up and then you find time sad. to heal. You're going to be, it's going to hurt a lot yep. and you're going to, and then you're going to move on and you're going to, you're going to find something else. And, and like, cool. That's, that is what life is. Like, what if T marries this person? Then he marries this person and you have no control over it. And it means nothing about you. It just yeah. is, he's married. Like, so like think through some of those questions of like, what if this happens and, and try and remind yourself that, that it has nothing to, those two things have absolutely nothing to do with each other. They just you're don't. not in, you're not in a game. You are just, you are both living your life and there are a hundred million what ifs that could come out of every moment of our lives. And so we can't get too concerned about those what ifs, but, but it is important for us to like, think about the ones that give us the most anxiety and be like, yes. So what if this does happen? What does that actually mean? Yeah. I, I love that was clutch for me in therapy to be like, oh my God, but what if, what if it was, and then my therapist would be like, okay, so tell me what if it happened? And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's like the monster's not in the closet. I turned on the light it's just, it's just life. And I can deal with life. I've done hard mm-hmm. things. And you, Absolutely. letter writer, have, have done hard things. You're capable of going through hard things. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I know Sam and I went like slightly um, in on you <laughs> in this letter. <laughs> and I just want you to know that we, we love you. And, and I see myself so much in this letter um, and fucking wish somebody had said the things I just said to you, to me uh-huh. when I was younger. So um, know that we love you and that... Um, we relate and we hope that, the, I mean, this is just the beginning where you are, you are young. Um, you are early on your, not early, but like you are, you are still in, 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 in the beginning of your journey as we all are, you know, uh, and you, we all have a lot to learn. So. Absolutely. We love you so much. Thank you so much for writing. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karakul jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. 
All right, Head & Heart workers, you know I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter comes from Dog Mom, who is writing from The Void. Hi, Sam and Sierra. Thank you both from the bottom of my heart for the work that you do. I love your advice and funny side stories, and listening to your podcast is one of my favorite coping skills. I've also noticed when I hype myself up and self-talk, the voice is usually Sierra's voice telling me I'm a badass and that I deserve what I want, etc. That makes me weepy. (laughs) Very cute. Uh, Just a trigger warning for this letter. It does talk about addiction. So my question revolves around the relationship with my dad. My dad is an alcoholic. I never really noticed it as a kid because I had nothing else to compare it Mm -hmm. to. When I was younger, the only emotions he ever showed was happiness and anger. The happiness was almost exclusively when he was drinking. Occasionally, he would be a bit of an angry drunk. One time he told me my mental illness and me as a whole ruined his life. Mm. He's called me lazy for having depression and recently called me nasty all while he's been drunk. I can't remember the last time he told me he loved me, and we've been quarantining with my whole family since March. I have depression and anxiety that I'm beginning to really fully understand and explore with my lovely therapist. A lot of my current struggles in life, especially my fears about relationships with men, can be traced back to how my dad treated me and what he modeled in love. His love was never attainable, which has made past me feel that love is something just out of reach and that you need to be better to have it. I know this isn't true, by the way, but it often feels true. On to the crux of this letter. I've been quarantining with my family for the last six months, and I broke down a couple of months in and rescued an adorable rescue named Olive. Oh, my God. I know. Such a cute name, right? (laughs) It's so cute. I love the name. She is so loving and sweet and goofy and just super derpy. If she's happy, (laughs) her face will show it. She's helped my mental health immensely and makes me feel loved and wanted and all the good things. The catch is she hates my dad. She is very protective of me and will bark at lunch at my dad if she's feeling threatened. It's made the relationship between me and my dad worse. I hired a trainer and she has gotten better with all of her anxieties except around my dad. 
While he was drunk, he had thrown balls at her to get to get her to stop barking at him, yelled at her, and occasionally told her to shut up. I have told him that I know she can be annoying and that I understand him being frustrated with her progress and unlearning her fear of him, but doing those behaviors will only reinforce her fear of him, and I do not accept that behavior towards my animal. It breaks my heart seeing him act like that towards her and makes me feel anxious to have her around him when he's drinking. Recently, Olive was at the door waiting for me to get home. She got super excited and got mouthy. She doesn't bite, just open air, happy chomps. And my dad screamed at her. I walked in and asked him to please not yell at her because it would reinstill her fear of him. And he in turn yelled back in my face that I need to control my dog and grow up. I dramatically screamed back, well, only children yell, dad. Mm. This in turn caused a huge panic attack and made living at my parents even more of a hellhole. The days at my parents are numbered since I'm moving out with Olive and it will make things significantly easier, but I really need help creating boundaries with him and I. How can I have this discussion with a man who can only process and show emotion by yelling or storming off or even Mm. worse, the I'm fine? From a 64-year-old man, is it even worth having a discussion? Should I just enact my boundaries and not tell him that I won't stay long for Thanksgiving because he'll be drunk by noon, etc.? I know I can't be around him while he's drinking, but if I ever told him that, he'd become more angry with mm. me and then grow, go grab a beer. He's also so deep in his disease, I'm beginning to fear for his liver and overall health. I've begun to see him start deteriorating at 64. Memory problems, he's not really all there, but he will do everything before going to a doctor because he sees physical illness as a weakness in a weird backwards mm. way. I wish I had a better relationship with my dad and I'm mourning the one I wish I had. Thank you so much for reading. Tell Opal that, that Olive said hi, uh, Sierra. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we need to answer. We need to get more dog letters. So please tell us about your dogs in future letters. <laughs> I know. I'm tearing up because it's like a combination of like dad I, and I dog know. letter that I'm just like, this is triggering for me. <laughs> All right, my darling dog mom, thank you so much for writing. Um, I, yeah, I feel for you. I think the the thing I want to say first is this whole letter, the whole vibe that I got from it, the insight, I just want to say you are smart and intuitive and caring Mm. and powerful. I feel that radiating from you in this, you know, the, the thought process that you are putting into this. And I know you feel like you're in a no-win situation. Um, Mm -hmm. Emphasis on the feel like you're in this. Um, But you are so capable and you're so strong and your intuition is right. Like you're you're in a shitty situation, but I just want to like, I feel... I feel you radiating from this letter in a really beautiful way. Hippiest thing mm-hmm. I've ever fucking said on the podcast, but <laughs> that it's is true. absolutely not true. There well, <laughs> have been many hippie things that you have said on this podcast. <laughs> um, but you know, you're right. Like you, you deserve a better relation. You know, your last, your last fucking sentences. I deserve, you know, that I wish I had a better relationship with them and I'm grieving the one that isn't there. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> That's right. Accurate. That is you, right. You do deserve a better relationship. This is not fair. Um, mm-hmm. And But like I said earlier, it feels like you're in a no-win situation. Um, but everything we feel isn't always real. Um, like I said to the last letter writer, like you're, you have endured a lot. You are resilient and smart and you're capable of doing hard things. And Sam and I will hopefully help you get through um, up, up, you know, in, in, 
what word am I looking for? Um, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We'll help you put up some boundaries. This is what I'm Mm -hmm. trying to say. (laughs) Yep. Yes, absolutely. Um, Yeah. And I would say that the first thing that I need you to internalize is that this feels like a no win situation because the only win that you have in your head is your dad changing. Mm. And the reality is is that he's, he's not going to. And I, and I want to say that explicitly um, because I, not because I don't think that there's hope, like people, people yeah. change. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Um, and it could be very possible that, you know, he could have a moment and suddenly realize no, that he, so his behavior is like hurting people. Right. But the fact is, is that you cannot, you cannot make him change. He is, you do not have control over how much he drinks. You do not have control over how he reacts to you when he's drinking. You do not have control over how much he, how he treats your dog or the way in which he instills fear in your dog, right? Mm. Like those are all things that are outside of your sphere of control. And I, I know how much that reality hurts. Yes. And I'm saying it not to, not to be mean, but to say like, we need to acknowledge this reality so that we can sit in the hurt of it and then figure out what we need to do to move forward. Yes. Um, Because it fucking sucks that, that we don't have the ability to, to, to talk to the people that we love deeply, the people that are hurting us every day, the people that are hurting themselves every day and find a way to get them to change. But the reality is, is that like, we can't, we can do things to try. We can, yeah. we can create situations that maybe like help them figure out these things that we want them to see. But like, at the end of the day, you have absolutely no control over this. You yeah. don't. The only thing that you have control over is how you react and respond to your dad's behavior Yes, and what your expectations of your dad are going forward, yes. which is, feels like a loss hundred percent because like, it's funny. It, it doesn't you love him. <laughs> it, it, to me, I think for me, when you said that so clearly, like if I were you guys listening, I would like rewind it to what Sam just said. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you said it so clearly and it's kind of comforting, you know, I think our anxiety and pain only grows in, in, in the sea of unknowns, you know, and, but if you, if you clarify it just to that, is that like, we have control over how we react, um, how we internalize or don't internalize things, um, uh, and, and our expectations, we, we can control those things, um, mm-hmm. that it, it, imp- that's empowering to me. And when you were th- when you were talking, I was thinking about a relationship with a family member of mine um, that feels, and I've used this word before, um, it feels unsafe, not in the physical way, but like it's unsafe for me to get into a, um, a debate with this person. It's unsafe mm-hmm. for me to expect this person to listen to me. Um, mm. It's unsafe for me to expect this family member to... Um, uh, receive my disagreeing opinion well. So I have adapted my behavior set, you know, over the last couple of years in, in knowing, okay, so now I, I know that it's unsafe for me to do that. So I can either choose to keep grinding myself up against that um, in hopes of change. Cause you're right. Like hope is, hope is okay. Okay. Or I can choose to prioritize my peace, my wellness and then, and instead mitigate how I engage with this person. Mm, and I think mm-hmm. that's going to be part, all part of your plan moving forward. Once you and Olive get out somewhere safer for you. For sure. Yeah. And so 
um, within your sphere of control, some things that you can do to help um, sort of change, honestly, change your expectations of your, your dad, mm-hmm. um, which is, which is I honestly just such a sad thing to say, because I, I think, you know, I think it's totally normal to want your father to be loving and supportive and able to show up for you. Right. Like, I think that that it's also so hard because like you and I believe in personal growth. Like we, Mm -hmm. this is our whole fucking podcast, but it's, (laughs) it's so complicated when we, when we're dealing with mental, when mostly when we're dealing, when we're dealing with addiction and people who are Mm -hmm. really set in their age and I'm in their, in their age, in their ways. (laughs) But I was going to say, you know, particularly people who are older and I don't mean that in an ageist way. It's just like what we were talking about, like those, those neuron pathways, like those behaviors are so comfortable. They're so second Mm -hmm. nature. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's depressing. You're right. Sometimes to think that people can't change. Yeah. And to think that the things, honestly, the things that we're doing to help them are actually enabling them to treat us poorly. Mm -hmm. Like that's part of it also is that like, you know, with, with my dad, like the things that we did to show him that we loved him were the things that allowed him to treat us poorly. Yes. (laughs) Right. And then, and it, it was hard to, to have that realization of the fact that like, oh, what we're doing is just like putting ourselves in the path of his anger Wow! because it makes him feel better to be angry. I'm just unpacking um, that statement. <laughs> I'm like having like one of those wave moments, like the way you were showing your love allowed him to hurt you or like what, mm-hmm. like enabled the way that he hurt you. And I'm thinking about like, you know, even more superficial relationships in my life, like my last romantic relationship um, mm-hmm. uh, before my wife, like the way I loved that, that, that ex is by being ever supporting and ever forgiving and like trying to help him get his life together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in that, in a, and in that action, in that love, he was able to take advantage of me and, and cheat, which is like a fucking total microaggression in comparison to what you're talking about with your dad. But I'm just unpacking that statement because I think it's super fucking profound. Mm-hmm. And he was able to take your goddamn money. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Like, about honestly, that. like yeah, you like paid he, his bills for him because he couldn't oh get God, his fucking I, act together. I literally and just, like, paid his bills. And, him, <laughs> and I thought that allowed that was him an, to never get. Yeah. I thought that it was his love. I thought that was love. And this is a perfect example. Just to zoom out of this, like, intense parent conversation for a second of how sometimes your love isn't compatible either. It's, Mm. you know, we think we're like, if I can just love someone enough, if I can just love someone, sometimes your love doesn't, isn't going to cut it. Right. Mm -hmm. They don't need your love to get better. They need something else like therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Continue. Um, yeah. So I think that the things that you, the things that you can control are your reactions, responses, and your expectations of him. And so I would encourage you to read a book called Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents by Lindsay C. Gibson. And this was a um, blind date that I did I, months ago. Um, but the whole thrust of the book is helping identify the behaviors of emotionally immature parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and And like, what I think is really critical on this is that she talks about how abuse or how trauma doesn't have to be like the big thing that happened in my life that like really messed me up, but that it can happen over time by our parents not showing up for us in the way that we mm. want or expect them to. 
and that 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 working through that trauma is just as important as working through big trauma or, right. or trauma Capital in the way that we trauma the way we think yeah, of it, yeah absolutely um and one of the amazing things that she talks about is is walking through the process of understanding that your parent isn't going to change that your parent can't is is actually incapable mm. is not able to show up for you in the way that you would like them to. They are not withholding it from you. Mm. They are not making the decision to say, I'm not going to love you adequately. They are incapable mm-hmm. of loving you in the way that, that you would like to be loved. And so managing that expectation and saying, it's not that my dad doesn't love me enough to change. It's that my dad isn't capable of of changing yes. <laughs> right like my, my dad, dad my dad is incapable of loving me the way that i want him to he's loving yes. me yes mm-hmm. but that love is inadequate it feels absolutely in, yeah. yep it is not that my dad doesn't want to love me differently it's this that he's incapable best. of love yeah. right it's, mm-hmm. it's his best and so what she talks about is like what are the things that you need to do in order to change how you expect your parents to behave around you mm-hmm. and part of that is understanding like your dad isn't capable of doing things differently. Like he, he is trying his best all the time. And so you can expect from him what you can expect from him, which Mm -hmm. is that he's, he's going to show up angrily or he's only going to be happy when he's drunk. And so like recognizing that reality and changing your expectations to say, my dad's never going to love and support me in the way that I want to. So how can I look at the things that he does provide me and be thankful for them and find the other things that I need elsewhere? Mm. And the second thing is, is establishing boundaries around how your parents get to treat you. So I think it is perfectly understandable for you to say, I'm not coming to Thanksgiving. I'm only coming to Thanksgiving for a while because I don't want to be around you when you're drinking. That is a reasonable boundary, I think, for you to enact with him. And I know that that sounds like harsh. I know that it sounds like that means that you are hurting him by taking yourself out of your out of his life, but actually you are, you are helping him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know that that sounds backwards, but like recognizing, helping him recognize that his behavior is hurting you is a way to help him wake up to the fact that he needs to change his behavior while at the same time, double whammy, great thing in both of these is that he's, (laughs) you're not allowing him to hurt you anymore. (laughs) And would you say that? Would, could, can, are you saying that she, they can either say it or they can, just do it like just leave thanksgiving at noon i think you could do both mm-hmm. i think that you are absolutely 100 percent allowed to say it and i think it would actually maybe be therapeutic for you to actually say it to him mm-hmm. to say like to actually take up a little bit of space in this relationship and instead of yelling and screaming at each other or you sort of enacting a, a yeah fawn or a freeze response which it sounds like that might be happening too to instead say like dad i'm just i'm not going to come over for thanksgiving because i being a, around you when you're drinking hurts me and i'm not going to put myself in that situation anymore mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i totally agree and like he might get mad at you but yeah but right like his anger by removing yourself from the situation, his anger doesn't actually impact you the same way that it would if you were still in the situation yeah. with him. And I would add to that um, something I read recently that I thought was really powerful was um, work on seeing past his entitlement to you um, mm-hmm. and seeing past the power that you assume he has. Mm-hmm. See, like, okay, so entitlement, like, you are his child. 
This is a family thing. It's it's Thanksgiving. You know, see past his entitlement to you coming. His assumption that you will be there. His entitlement mm-hmm. over you enduring his behavior. Right. Yep. See past that. Is he treating you well? Does he make you feel good? Do you have a? Do you feel good about yourself when you're there? Do you want to go to Thanksgiving? That's what mm-hmm. I see past that. Um, and also the power. Um, I know how deep these parental wounds can can run um Mm. but you're you are powerful and capable and capable of enduring hard things um he doesn't have a magical power over you he doesn't have a universal authority as your parent you're grown right he he doesn't have that anymore um and so i want you to see past that entitlement see past the the assumed power that he has and Mm. recognize that you are two adults floating through this life doing the best that you can and you have a right to take up space and ask for what you need i do really want to advocate too that like with alcoholics and with people who yell and don't and are not safe like i said earlier to have um conflict with i think it is you know I've always like given myself a hard time. Like if I don't show up for conflict in a certain way, I'm like, Oh, I'm being inauthentic. I'm not being brave. I'm not, you know, whatever. But I've come to a point in my life um, that I just know who I am and I accept and love who I am. And I know that for this family member that I'm talking about, like I'm, I choose not to engage in conflict with this person. And I also choose to not give them unlimited access to my life. That's the way mm-hmm. I have chosen to, in, uh, because I know that person's conflict style is not safe for me. It is never safe mm-hmm. for me. It never ends well. It never makes me feel good about myself. Um, so I just don't engage. I just don't engage. So, I, I just want to give you permission that like for this Thanksgiving, you can send a text message and say, I'll be here, but I have to leave by noon. I have something else going on or don't even tell them, you know, like this person, like your dad obviously has other fucking things going on that um, I don't know if he will notice. Right. Um, but I, I just want to, I want to make space for both things. Cause I actually, I think Sam's super right. That it'd be great practice and um, may, maybe mm-hmm. we'll make you feel a little bit more confident if you just said, I don't like being around you when you're drinking. I'm going to leave at noon, right? There's, there's no, there's no contesting that. There's no debating it. It's just a fact. Nope. Mm-mm. And he, and guess and he what? Can, he can't debate that. He, he can try, nope. but he can't take it away from you. No, absolutely. Because there's no, there's no opinion to debate there, right? Like right. those are just the facts of like you, you. The fact is you don't <laughs> like being around when you, him when you're drinking. And so and you're the choosing. fact is, is that you're leaving at noon. Yeah, like, yeah, those, those are facts. Indisputable. Right. Yeah. So he can come at you and he can yell and he might like he. That's very real. Yeah. But like, and if that's unsafe for you, like Sierra says, like just, that's yeah. You don't owe just, him anything. Again, it's about the entitlement. It like look through the entitlement. You don't owe him an ex- explanation either. Absolutely. But he can yell and scream at you and it doesn't change your truth, which is that you don't like being around him when you're drinking and you're leaving at noon. Like, yeah, those are those are things that are true to you and don't need to be true to any other person. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. Cool. Well, this is just the beginning. Obviously, um, we know that this is an ongoing relationship in your life. Um, And I think Sam would agree that, like, especially with family relationships, the, the trickiest thing about them is that your growth, your emotional growth when it comes to family ebbs and flows, right? It is always, um, 
it's always a process because mm-hmm. family more than anything sometimes can can trigger our deepest wounds about ourselves you know our deepest understanding about ourselves are often connected to the people who've been there since day one um so i just want to give you um a hug and 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 let you know that this is an ongoing long process but it's it's part of the unfolding of your life uh Mm -hmm. you're doing the right thing and and you deserve to have these boundaries absolutely and and i'll and do what you also need to take care of yourself in these moments too Mm -hmm. right like i i think i think people um, who in our lives who take up a lot of space sort of distract us from the care that we need as well, especially if those people are, we expect them to give us the care that they can't give us. So right. like, if you're not going over there for Thanksgiving for a long time, like what are you doing to, to give yourself some joy and to, to take care of yourself and to, to recognize that like, even though you are making this painful decision, it doesn't mean that you don't also deserve to find comfort and joy in things outside of your dad right now. Yeah. You and Olive should just, if you're a mediator, you you and Olive should split like a rotisserie chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There you go. Love that. (laughs) I know. Don't give the dog the bones, but (laughs) okay. Um, Well, please give Olive a hug and a kiss for me and um, know that Sam and I love you very much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. Our final letter is from Stuck Stuck, who is writing to us from SoCal. Hi, Sam and Sierra. Thank you so much for dedicating your time to such a special podcast. It has gotten me through some really tough times in the past month. And it's nice to hear intersectional and thoughtful advice while also catching myself laugh at your goofiness and playfulness (laughs) with each other. So much love to you both. I love that. All right, here is the situation. My partner, she, her, 40, and I, they, them, 30, have been dating on and off for the past year. It's been rocky throughout, but our last breakup was the biggest doozy, leading me down the path to discovering your podcast, One Silver Lining of a Shitty Situation. We were broken up for about one to two months, and then we decided to see if we could work things out again. We're in couples therapy now for the first time, which is well overdue, and maybe better late than never, question mark, depending on how it goes, (laughs) question mark. (laughs) The major issues we're having now is working through the pain that our last breakup caused my partner has anger issues throughout which has led to a cycle of abuse pattern blow up apologizing honeymoon repeat and once physically pushed me a couple times after the push i needed to take space from the relationship one week advised by my therapist which triggers my partner's abandonment issues she feels that since she was going through a difficult time my taking space was inhumane in therapy, we've gone around and around explaining each, our, each of our sides of the story and there's doesn't seem to be much give or budging on her side or accountability for what she did or has done in the past. There's so much more I could say, but the one of the worst parts about this experience is that we're in a space now where she's become very avoidant towards me and I'm experiencing more anxious attachment in the past, I was probably more avoidant secure, but and she was more anxious. This flip in the dynamic has been really difficult on my end to deal with because I'm experiencing more low self-esteem than ever. I've told her that we feel distant, that I don't want I don't feel wanted or loved by her. And she meets me with statements like, well, I feel like we're growing without any acknowledgement of what I'm going through or feeling. I asked her if she just needs to be alone right now and focus on herself so that's 
since that's all she seems to be doing. But she says she still wants to be with me, but there isn't real any real action on her end. Right now, I feel like I'm just a piece on her board game that she doesn't want to touch or move or kick off or put any kind of work into. I feel like I'm just waiting around for her to decide that she likes me again or to put in work when it's convenient for her. Sometimes I wish you could just set me free or that I could bring myself to set us both free. I've tried to set us free in the past, but I've been unsuccessful at letting go, which is why we're trying to work through our issues together now since breaking up hasn't worked for us. Maybe we were both stuck. Thank you for listening and reading my letter. I appreciate the work that you do. Your wisdom, insight, and affirmations have been invaluable to me. Oh, Mm. stuck, stuck. We love you so much. Thank you for writing. Absolutely. I think this, I think that a lot of people are going to find a lot of uh, reflection in this letter, right? Like, I think that they're going to look at it and be like, oh, yeah, I see myself there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I think I would start by saying I deeply and genuinely and with a whole heart want you stuck, stuck to start truly honoring yourself and Mm. your worth and -hmm. your values and your body and your love. You have a lot of love to give and you have a lot to be loved, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and I need you to start treating yourself the way you deserve to be treated. Mm. It's not about your partner. It's it's not about what they can and cannot give you. I need you to start treating yourself well um, and to tap into that inner reservoir of resilience um, and strength and peace and clarity to just break up. <laughs> absolutely. Yes, Absolutely. And I, in addition to that, in addition to sort of practicing that, that love for yourself too, I want you to also start trusting yourself too, Mm -hmm. because everything in this letter is like, well, I don't know. It could be this. It could be this. It could be this. And the reality is, is that you even say it, right? You feel unwanted. You feel unloved. You feel like a piece of, on a game board where that she has all the control and you, and she just Mm -hmm. sort of leaves you there because she doesn't want to kick you off. Like those are all real and legitimate feelings and if you are feeling them then it that's real right like you don't need to question whether or not you feel unloved like you just feel unloved and and i think sometimes we get into this this habit of saying to ourselves like i'm am i really feeling this and is this is this real or am i just imagining this because like of this thing and no, you are, you are feeling unloved. You are feeling unwanted. And that's not how relationships are supposed to feel. That doesn't mm-hmm. affirm or build us or honestly, it's not growth. It is not a place where growth can happen. Mm. And so trust those feelings and trust that you're not making them up. They are real. They are valid. They are all legitimate feelings. And that the things that are making you feel that are a hundred percent unacceptable mm-hmm. and you deserve to feel loved. You deserve to feel wanted. You deserve to feel like an active player in the game that you are playing with your partner. Right. And not just like a piece that they get to move around or decide to kick off the board. Right. And something really, really stood out to me in your letter. Um, something unique, which was your description of your time in couples therapy, where you're both just going, I mean, I've fucking, I've 
been there. I've been in that conversation <laughs> where you are both just going around and around and around, re-articulating your own truth and not um, and not getting anywhere, not not mm-hmm. getting to common grounds. You're just tr- you're grasping and grasping to get on a common ground, but neither of you can. And it's not for lack of trying, right? Like you're you're going around it. This, you've been together for so long. You got back together. Like you're trying to get on common ground and. And, and both of you aren't like, it's, it's not just her stubbornness or her ability to have accountability. Um, and, and it's not just, it's, it's not just your experience either. I'm not pointing fingers there either, but like what I want to highlight is that you two do not have common ground. You have tried and Mm. you're trying to get Mm -hmm. to that place and you can't. And that is an incredibly Mm -hmm. stark sign to me that you are not compatible because here's the fucking spiky, mm-hmm. terrible pill to swallow. Her experience of this relationship is a hundred percent real to her. And your, yes. <laughs> and your experience of this relationship is a hundred percent real and they are not compatible. They're there's mm-hmm. like, it's not working. It's not working. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, and no amount of like, you know, uh, well, who fucking knows? But like in this scenario, it seems like no amount of uh, talking about things or processing things or trying to heal is getting you to a place where her reality is acceptable to you and yep. your reality is acceptable to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's, you know, she might have lashed out because she has abandonment issues, but but honey, you don't want to be with someone who lashes out because mm-hmm. they have abandonment issues, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you like, yes, that might be the reason why she is so, so mean to you. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter why she's mean to you. What matters at the end of the day is that she's mean to you, right? right? Like, and again, our empathy sometimes just gets the best of us because, because we can look at this and say, yes, she's trying, she's, she's feeling this type of way. And I understand why, but and then we get we lose the fact that the reality is is that we're in an unsafe and unhealthy situation that doesn't serve us well because right. we have so erased our own faith in our own reality that now we just believe hers. Right. And that's not real. She right. doesn't deserve to push you. She doesn't deserve to call you inhumane because you needed to take space after she pushed you. You want to be with someone who's not going to do either of those things and right now she's not capable of doing yeah. those things and it sounds like she's not super interested in changing her perception of of the way that she behaved. And, rem- and that's for me that's a deal breaker. Yes, exactly. And remember breaking up can be an act of love, an act of self-love, mm-hmm. you know, and an mm-hmm. act of love for your partner. It's obvious that you two cannot, you know, if if she acted out in those ways, and again, Sam and I are not judging this person. We don't think this person is a bad person. We obviously see some hurtful slash hurting behaviors, but like, mm, haven't we all done that? You know, well, absolutely. I've, I've never put my hands on anyone, but um, you know, I've gotten my needs met uh, met in unhealthy ways. Um, mm-hmm. But it's very clear to Sam and I um, that this is no longer safe for either of you. Like Sam said, it's not safe for growth. Like what, what, what would she need from you for her to grow? It sounds like a flattening of Mm -hmm. yourself. What would you need for her to grow? Or, you know, what would you need for, for, from her, for you to grow, for her to not be the person she is? This is textbook Mm -hmm. incompatibility. And I know that that sounds, Mm -hmm. that's so fucking hard because like, honestly we think about compatibility as like can we have good sex is kissing good can we have good conversation do we like to be around each other 
Sure. No, man. You want to know the depressing news? <laughs> this is compatibility. Can you... Mm. Can, if you do you move through conflict or um you know in a way that aligns with each other do you have similar conflict styles you know what i mean and it just sounds mm-hmm. like you don't and so then this is a time for you to to find someone that doesn't make you work so hard mm, yep yep that's real and so i think what we're trying to say is that um we want you to do that thing that you talked about which is setting both of you free Yes. Because neither of you, honestly, neither of you is happy in this relationship and this relationship is serving neither of you. Yes. But also, most importantly, it's not serving you. Our letter writer. <laughs> you deserve, um, say this, say this to yourself out loud right now. I deserve love and tenderness and peace. You deserve mm. that. It doesn't matter what you did or what you put up with. Um, it doesn't matter like those things are not deserved. Like you don't deserve those things because you went through hours of therapy and argued Mm -hmm. and got through an argument, right? You deserve those things inherently right now. They're not to be earned. And right now Mm -hmm. you're trying really hard to earn that good love, right? Mm -hmm. It's not working. It's not going to come from this source. Mm -mm. Absolutely not. But there is love out there that will, will do that for you. Right. And, and I think that that's, that's the reality of of the situation is that the more time that you spend trying to get this person to to bend to your mm-hmm. desires or let me say that differently the more time you try and get each other to a point of compatibility that's never going to happen that just doesn't exist is time that you are wasting on supporting and loving yourself in a way that will serve you well and also, like, getting out there and, like, finding someone else. Yeah. Yeah. You deserve a love that is that doesn't treat you like this. And, and honestly, mm. so does your partner. Absolutely. We know that this is a really painful situation, and we know that there's a lot more emotions and strife to come. But we know you can do it. And, and Absolutely. And most importantly, we know you deserve better. You do. You have the strength to be able to end this and to end it for good. Yes. Just know that. And and if you ever feel yourself losing your will, re-listen to this episode. Yes, and, absolutely. And remind yourself over and over, you have the strength to say no to this person and to say no for good. Yep. All right, my darling, we are so grateful that you wrote to us and that you listened to our podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. We love you. All right, that brings us to the blind date segment of this show. Every episode, we want to shout out something that we want to set you up with. This week, we are sending you home with... A cookbook called Six Seasons, A New Way with Vegetables by Joshua McFadden. Uh, Yeah, it's great. It's a cookbook that is all 100% vegetables. um, And basically, he goes through... There are six seasons of vegetables, apparently, because there's like the four seasons that we know. And then there's like midsummer and like early fall or something. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I feel like with vegetables, I'm always like, uh, Oh, I'll just like saute some asparagus or something. And like with salt and pepper, which is like delicious. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I would say that this cookbook more than any other has like really made us up our sort of like side game. Mm, Um, And it's just like a million awesome, uh, recipes i think it would be really great if you're someone who does like a csa or goes to the farmer's market and just sort of like buys things that look good because 
then you can just like go into this cookbook and find all of these amazing recipes for like those, those ingredients. Um, and everything that we've tried out of that has been like so amazing <laughs> that like you could just make meals out of all of these different vegetables and not even need to like worry about having like a grain or a, or a meat. So, um, it's been awesome, uh, since we got it and I definitely recommend it. It I, is. I'm going to check this book out. No, you honestly should. I, I can't believe I haven't re- haven't recommended it to yeah. you yet, but it's awesome. It's called Six Seasons, A New Way with Vegetables by Joshua McFadden. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can uh, submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to follow us on Spotify so you will get a new episode every Monday exclusively on Spotify. And remember to support us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode that's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the lights on and helps us keep more or reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, producing, all magical things by our good friend Big Cats, a.k.a. Spencer. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember, you deserve love and tenderness and peace. And more importantly, you are capable of doing hard things to earn this peace. The past does not define who you are. And those who do not want us or hurt us do not get to dictate our worth and our happiness. Mm. The outside world cannot touch your peace. And if all else fails, just break up. (laughs) Enthusiastic.